Yeah, it's Sky that has Harry Maguire. Oh, God. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Fucking shocker. That's insane. Like, he was fine, but this is... This is the whole issue with Harry Maguire is the second he's not a fucking disaster, they're like, he's the best center back in the world. Right. <laughs> it's like, please stop. <laughs> just stop doing this. Why can't you just be normal? Hey everyone, it's Hardcore Football. I'm your host, Phil Bucky. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, how we, uh, how are, have we recovered? It's Monday after the, after the World Cup final. How are you? Um, you know, it was, it wasn't the best Monday, I'm not gonna lie to you. Maybe there's a little bit of World Cup hangover, but, like, today was just awful, but I'm glad to be here tonight taking a load off talking about the madness of yesterday which was just like i said madness um yeah it i'm i'm excited to talk about this i, I we have an outline but i i think that really we're gonna go off the rails quickly because that's how the game went so <laughs> but uh how are you phil i am good i uh i was laughing yesterday because i realized how much of the soccer guy that i am uh, like in my different friend circles and at work because okay. as the You're game the was going on... You're the one everybody asks questions to and all that. Yeah, and as okay. the game was going on, I was getting texts like, oh my God, this is insane. Like, oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> like, just like throughout the game, <laughs> I was like, yes, you're getting it. Like, you understand why th- I love this sport so much. <laughs> Like in terms of in terms of commercials for the neutrals, that's a game where there are a lot of people and a lot of like younger people who will like look back and when people say like, Oh, like when did you get into soccer? They'd be like, The twenty twenty two World Cup final. I watched it on a whim and I couldn't stop. Like I'm now addicted. Period. Yeah. Haven't been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I yeah. love that. Um, it, it really, like, we talked about it on the last episode, but it had a chokehold on just about everyone. I mean, one of my very good friends, um, she was texting me, like, this is too much. Like, I need someone to score a goal. Like, I'm, I'm having heart palpitations. She doesn't care. Of, not only does she not care about soccer, she doesn't care about sports. Yeah. <laughs> and so for her to be having that visceral reaction, it was just like, the whole world is... Yeah on a knife's edge right now watching this thing so yeah well if uh you are on a knife's edge waiting for us to start this podcast uh (laughs) (laughs) then you should subscribe uh on your favorite podcast platform um you can find us hardcore football uh there you can find us at hxc football on uh twitter and instagram um and uh, we had a handful of people sending questions for the podcast today via those platforms, so you can get involved too. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's about it for admin. Although um, I think uh, we've been lining up some guests for the the future 
Um, So something to look forward to and adding some uh, voices to the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, of course, we had Christian Canales on our good friend uh, to talk to us about his experience in Qatar. And yeah, we've had folks reach out and want to want to hop on and chat with us. So, yeah, we'll try to we'll try to get them on and keep things keep things fresh. So, yeah. Well, Mika, I mean, we should basically just dive into this. Uh, (laughs) Argentina three three France um and four two Argentina wins on penalties I mean just in terms of I mean reaction is even hard because it feels like we're reacting to to like multiple games like we're reacting to zero to to 80 mm-hmm. 80 81 to 120 or well really 81 to 90 Mm-hmm. 90 to 120 and then penalties yeah there were like three or four finals on yeah. display last night yeah absolutely <laughs> um but you're i mean i guess the emotional roller coaster is obvious just due to that fact but um at the end of it argentina messi are world champions i mean your your initial reaction to really the story of the final I guess what it ultimately ended up being yeah I mean it's it's like I said I think some things are written in the stars and um it just felt like it was meant to be it was destiny and I know we had talked about how sometimes things nice things don't happen especially (laughs) in this cruel game of football that we happen to be highly addicted to but um Lionel Messi and, and Argentina winning the World Cup is up there among one of the great sporting feats I think in terms of narrative and um, destiny fulfilled especially for that the one man La Puga Atomica so um, but I mean Argentina are more than Messi they are just an absolutely fabulous side for for myriad reasons I mean they just like they would say themselves they love to suffer <laughs> um, and they have to suffer to achieve their goals, and they certainly did that in this final. It was almost looking like Mbappe was going to thwart them single-handedly on their way to the the championship, but they ultimately came out winners. Um, and it's what they've been doing all tournament long, really, is battling, letting their foot off the gas a little bit, and then having to battle even harder to gain control back. And... Um, I think it's a testament to these players because um, oftentimes in the past it's been, you know, for club and country, really, Messi needs to do something magical or we don't have a chance. And it's like that, that's, sh- you know, finally he's surrounded by a supporting cast that um, are willing and able to take some of that pressure and some of that responsibility off of him um, while also allowing him to shine. So I think massive credit to to Argentina for for what they did here and to Lionel Scaloni as well for the the atmosphere that he's been able to foster in this Argentina team because you know post 2018 World Cup it wasn't looking uh clear at all how they might ever get their hands on this trophy and everything that they've accomplished since then has just been absolutely phenomenal and um just congratulations to to Argentina and their fans they they fully deserve it. And the scenes from, from Buenos Aires were absolutely crazy. Like I was just scrolling. Like what's the opposite of doom scrolling? Joy scrolling? That's <laughs> Joy what I was scrolling. doing. 
That's what I was doing last night. It was just joy scrolling the content from Argentina and, and the scenes. And it was just absolute limbs as they say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, um, you know, at, at risk of sounding like Gianni Infantino t- yesterday, I felt Argentinian like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, I was just really happy because that was the, the final that I wanted, the winner that I wanted, the player that I wanted to see finally lifting that trophy. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like it made me, it made me emotional. It really did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like what a foe that they came up against in France, you know, the, second straight appearance for them and they were just absolutely like it's i mean it took it takes serious serious grit to come back in a game where they looked like they were not even there and yeah. even stepped off the bus so um yeah i mean i know i've rambled on what should have been a short kind of reaction but it was just amazing no i mean and it's a game it had the feel um by the end of it it had that feel of a, of a true, just like heavyweight bout of both teams, you know, (laughs) bloodied both teams, like just staggering by the end. Mm -hmm. Um, but for every punch, there was a counter punch for every, like just, yeah, the, the, the whole contest lived up to the weight that a world cup final should i guess in many ways and and for the Arge- for argentinians who you know this was their first final since 2014 and the disappointment like that late that late goal from Goethe, you know winning it for germany and this argentina side looking like maybe heartbreak was like on the horizon again and then being able to see it out was um yeah very impressive and and um i guess we can we can get into the four different matches that we have to break down here. Um, <laughs> and in terms of in terms of the first 70 minutes, we, we got a question um, from at Jaimito El Croc uh, 7 on Twitter. When will Di Maria get more love? The guy has scored in like three major finals for Argentina. Come on. Uh, Di Maria in general in that in that 60 minutes before he came off i mean maybe one of the best performances in a world cup final and given by a player who had barely played a part in the tournament until up until now yeah no yeah i i think that angel di maria was absolutely incredible i mean just i mean jaimito he's he's right here i mean el fideo is a the epitome of a big game player, possibly the best big game player of the last like decade, I might say. Like, I don't know if that's being dramatic, but or you know, recency bias, but like it's it's true. Like he scored in the Olympics, mm-hmm. he scored in uh, Copa America, the mm-hmm. final, I believe, um, finalissima, which you know I know that's kind of like slightly better than a friendly, but still. <laughs> uh, and now in the 2022 World Cup final, I mean, the guy is clutch. Yeah. Um. And he's one of those players that like you just really regret how much he's had to deal with injuries. Yeah. Over the years. Um. And and but yeah no yesterday like he just just a masterclass from him out on that left left hand side. Dembele could not handle him. Teo Hernandez like was excused from the match because of some <laughs> of the things that were happening on that 
that um uh, you know, in those wide areas, not just from him, but but from some of the other Argentina players as well. Sure. And then, of course, he he draws the penalty mm-hmm. uh, from Dembele, which, like, you know, that's like 24, 25 minutes in, and mm-hmm. Usman Dembele's sticking a leg out like it's the 90th minute and yes. you're gassed. <laughs> like, it was just a really lazy challenge. And, um, you know, we might get on to why France looks so flat maybe, but, um, yeah, I've, I've seen shouts that people are like, you know, Di Maria is already going down. This, that, the third. It's like he's going down because he felt the contact from the push first. Yeah. Then he gets clipped by Dembele's boot. So for me, that's a penalty all day long. Yeah. Um. And so, and and you know, the fact that that was really the only like real controversy just shows you how well officiated this game was. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was just causing trouble for for France, and just they couldn't handle him. They really couldn't handle him. He scores, or, you know, he draws that penalty. Messi slots it like just ice cold, and then of course the the second goal, yeah. um, just just a lightning counterattack from Argentina, and then Alexis McAllister, one of my favorite players of the tournament, um, playing the perfect ball to him <laughs> across the pitch to that far post, and and he's able to lift it over Loris, and and Argentina looked like they're on their way to a pretty straightforward <laughs> uh, victory in the final, but of course we know it wasn't like that at the end of the day so well let's let's talk about you mentioned you mentioned actually uh we'll go back to the penalty incident you mentioned the fact that um i think there is contact and and i i think that that much is is clear to see i i was surprised actually at the amount of um controversy quote unquote on the internet uh as a result of that (laughs) call because in real time and you know from the the camera position that we have at home where marciniak uh simon marciniak was on the edge of the box like as soon as he points to the spot i'm like that was or as soon as di maria goes down i'm like that's a penalty like in real time i thought it was a penalty and as soon as he points to the spot i'm like confirmation okay he's in a great position to make that call like makes it and when you watch it back, like, yeah, I mean, if you break any penalty down in like super duper slow motion, like they could they could look softer and softer depending on how yeah. uh, how things happen. But I think it's one of those that is it relatively soft, like potentially like Dembele doesn't like full on kick him or anything like that. It's nothing blatant. But uh, right, right. but I think it's one of those that like it's given by the referee and VAR would have no reason to overturn it because there is contact. So it's one of those that for me is like not even worth arguing about because mm. as to, if Marciniak had not given it and they gave it in VAR, I could see more of the controversy. But I think it's one of those where if it wasn't given by the on-field ref, it's not given by VAR. If it's not, if it's given by the ref on the field, then it's going to stand. So he makes that determination. And I thought in real time, like that's a penalty. So I, I thought that was a fine call from the ref. Um, mm. Messi uh, versus Lloris. Uh, Messi's penalty record, obviously, like uh, has been a talking point for, <laughs> for some years. Um, and uh, to do what he did in the World Cup final and stand at the spot twice and and sink both you know we'll talk about Mbappe's takes as well but some some just ice water running through through the veins um 
of you know one of the greatest to ever do it yeah yeah absolutely i mean that's i think that's a way to set the tone if you will for the rest of the game and of course you know they did have to battle significant adversity as we'll get on to game two if you will right. of the final but yeah i mean his penalty taking in this in this tournament was was excellent and there's a lot being made like this discourse is coming out about like Messi the penalty merchant in this <laughs> in this uh, edition of the tournament, which I think is a little unfair because I think he's still been instrumental as far as like playmaking. Sure. Um, you know, like the goal uh, that he set up for Molina, of course, against the Netherlands, like right. still one of the best passes you'll ever see. Yeah. Um, and just his influence overall, his leadership as well. Um, so I think that's a little bit unfair, especially when you like you said his his record from the spot is like good but like for a player of his level you would expect it to be much much better um but yeah no he was just so assured on the spot this time around and yeah they go one nil up and they're they're off and away that second goal i um was watching in my living room um my daughter was like sitting in her little like chair or whatever and Erica was like up kind of like doing stuff during the game. And um I startled like the household when that goal when that second goal went in because I literally said out loud, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Like because <laughs> it was I you know, when you're watching it, it can it's easy to get kind of caught up in like you're watching what's on your phone, you're watching like what's you know you're you're scrolling twitter you're watching the game like you're trying to kind of like keep your eye on like all of the narratives or whatever whatever spinning around and uh it was as soon as Messi took like makes that pass um in in the center of midfield like that flick around the corner um i'm like wow that was unbelievable touch under pressure but then alvarez plays probably one of the most intelligent passes that i've seen and from an area where he hasn't typically popped up because he's all of a sudden on the right. He's been coming from mm. the left. Yeah. He's not really done that, but Di Maria was playing out on the left, like unexpectedly another Scaloni, Scaloni masterpiece. But Alexis McAllister um, is fed through by Alvarez and McAllister also makes a brilliant pass that is easy to screw up because he's making that angled ball like in between the keeper and the last defender and the finish like it looks like it's about to be a tap in but that's not really the case because Lloris actually does a really good job of getting back across goal um and Di Maria with the just like you said the lifted finish like just over Lloris it's an for me it's one of the goals of the tournament um and definitely one of the best team moves of the tournament um and maybe one of the best goals ever scored in a World Cup final, like bar none. No, oh, yeah, I, I I think you're spot on. the The finish was like, it was like one of those things that I could never do as a kid, and I still can't do. And I'm jealous that other people know how to do it, which is to skip rocks on a pond. <laughs> do you know how to do that? I yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like, like those folks do, like, who can do skips. like who like yeah, who can like skip it, you know six seven times you know whatever. but like that's what it looked like he like 
hit it into the pitch, mm-hmm. and it seems to just like sail over Lloris's outstretched body, which, like you said, he he uh, did well to get across and get down. But I mean, once once Di Maria is in that position, like you're finished, you're toast. Yeah. Um, and and McAllister, like this is the thing about this Argentina side too, because you talk about how the pre-assist comes from Julian Alvarez popping up in another position that maybe. France weren't expecting McAllister who's been kind of like workmanlike while still being very technical is the one actually playmaking for this so it's something you expect from maybe a Messi of course mm-hmm. the, this is the thing about this Argentina side is none of these players are one dimensional yeah like they all contain multitudes <laughs> and like there's just everyone has like several tools in their arsenal um and and that's what I've loved about this team is like everyone in the starting eleven and on the bench like offers different things, uh, and expresses those depending on the game state and depending on how they've been set up and so that's what I love the most about this second goal is just like just the interchanges and the the quick thinking and the execution was so so good and at that point you think France are done because. France, we haven't really talked about them much. They I, did not show up for eighty <laughs> some minutes. Were you shocked by that? Because I, I was like, this is ass. Like I remember Croatia putting up a lot more of a fight in twenty eighteen, and it being, you know, I mean, France definitely ran out deserved winners, but it just felt like more of a contest in the first half. And I don't know, just France did not seem like they were there. Yeah, I well, it's interesting. I think like I think part of it is maybe teams in the knockout stages and and I'm I don't know if this is this might sound disrespectful to some of their opponents, but I think that teams showed France more respect than maybe like they should have. Interesting. <laughs> like Argentina came out as they have like throughout throughout the knockouts like they came out they're very aggressive they press a lot uh, they do a lot of running they don't let anybody have any time on the ball and when and they were just like absolutely spamming that that big switch like from mm-hmm. right to left they would they would regain possession on Messi's flank and then play it to Di Maria's flank and it was just it was causing France like all sorts of problems and I think just the energy and the intensity and like not dropping back into shape when France won the ball back, it actually was nullifying a lot of what France were trying to do. And even really, really good players, like, I mean, like Chuameni, Chuameni had a hell of a first half. Like he, it just felt like he couldn't get into the game. Like he couldn't get touches and Maybe most Griezmann. Griezmann yeah, Gries- was in a black hole yeah. midfield. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it, I think it really was Argentina's midfielders just absolutely suffocating folks, and and they were causing France like so many problems in the wide areas in possession that Rabio and Chuameni were having to like play on either flank, and so when. Argentina did try to play through the center like France's midfielders weren't there like they were just they were gone because they were having they out of necessity like they had to deal with what was going on on the flanks but yeah I think it 
I think it just made it where even when they did win the ball back, it's like, you know, now Teo Hernandez is like looking to play a pass to somebody, but like Rabio standing right next to him. And, and then he would lose the ball. I thought Teo right. Hernandez had just an absolutely torrid, torrid time. Like yeah. he was. Well, and DePaul yeah. was absolutely, he was a menace over there. <laughs> like, <laughs> As um, he is. Which I think actually fed into some of what happened to Argentina like later on um, as we as we get into but fresh this Argentina starting eleven like I think it I think it just was a little bit of I don't know I hesitate to get too dramatic but maybe a little bit of arrogance from Deschamps in mm. like hey this game plan has worked regardless of opponent and like it will work again and meanwhile Scaloni is like I know exactly how I can hurt you (laughs) interesting I mean I mean yeah so Di Maria he scores the second goal in the 35th minute Deschamps makes substitutions at 40 minutes he takes off Olivier Giroud and Ousmane Dembele who was having a bad time I think of course he gave up the penalty and then was just like finding himself playing right wing back Right, because uh, Kunde was collapsing to the center so quickly every time uh, Argentina would get on the break. Who comes on again? Was it Muani, Kolomuani, Kolomuani, and, and Turam? Turam, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, what did you make of that reaction from Deschamps? Because it's not like that is normal from him. Far from it, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he. I do think he panics a little bit, like down two nil, and getting like they are getting played like absolutely off the park. Like I don't, I don't think it's an overreaction, but I do think he panics, um, and I think his, I think the reaction at the end of the day, like I just don't think the subs, those subs had an impact on the game, but not. Not an immediate one. No, and not really until after the first penalty. Like, it was really in the final 10 minutes of the game and then in extra time that those subs really made a difference. And I think it's actually the Camavinga sub that changes the game. Like, well, we and we'll get on to, like, we'll get on to, I guess, what changed things for for yeah. Argentina too, but... My only thing about that is that if he had brought off Dembele, well, I think he really needed to pull to to pull off Kunde. Like I think it was actually Jules Kunde who, because he needed somebody who was actually going to play defense in a wide area, and dragging off Dembele, I can see why many people would see it as like potentially disrespectful to like pull somebody off like haul them off before halftime of a world cup final Mm. but he wasn't playing in the areas that you actually want Usman Dembele to play and so I don't know it's one of those like chicken and egg things where it's like yeah you take off Dembele for someone who can who has a little bit more like defensive work rate maybe yeah but it's more of an admission of the fact that like my game plan didn't get Usman Dembele into the positions that he needs to be in to like play his game um and we couldn't get him or Mbappe the ball 
for 70 minutes. Like we could right. Mbappe has like 10 touches. Right. Prior to I think his first shot and France's first shot is at like the 70 minute mark, right? Yeah, 70 target. 70 minutes and he, when he uh blazed over the bar from like 20. Mm. So that's my my only thing is I think the pl- people will look at it and say like ah the player is like getting dragged off before halftime in a world cup final like that really is not great for them you know and it'll feel like personal in many ways like because we don't often see stuff like that but i think it's more i think it was more so Deschamps just trying to come to terms with like the fact that the game plan was not only was it not working like they were getting blown away like Mm. It was in danger of becoming like an embarrassment um, <laughs> if he didn't do something. Right. right so absolutely. Yeah. No. And I mean, like you said, it's not like those substitutions made an immediate impact. I thought the ball was having a hard time. I mean, when you take Giroud off, obviously you're gonna lose that like basketball backboard of a striker <laughs> up front, right? Like the yeah. ball's not gonna stick. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Dembele to me that that change was fair enough. I think he, he didn't look right to me and we know we spoke about how that bug was going through the French camp and he just, he didn't look right to me at all. And so maybe there's some mitigation there for him, but, um, yeah, like when you make a tackle like he did in the 25th minute, like you've been sprinting around for 90 minutes, like, it's just like, I know he's not a defender, but I don't think he does that if he was 100%. I just think something was wrong there. Yeah. That's fair. The yeah. uh, and Giroud too. Apparently, I mean, there were rumors right. the night before that he was dealing with a knock, which I I thought was mind games, but maybe there was something to that. Who knows? Veron, um, by the end, by the time he gets subbed off, I think it was in extra time when Rafael Veron came off. He didn't look like he looked like ill, like. Mm. I think we talked about it in the group chat where it was like something looks like wrong with Rafael Rafael Varane. Um, oh right, because he like didn't he like fall over in a way that was like prob like really troubling. Yeah, where it was like I can't yeah. tell if he's just gonna like puke or if he's like concussed yeah. or like what I don't know. It's just a really strange like sequence from him late on, but um, but yeah. So I think it did seem like there were things that the the French camp was was dealing with but at the end of the day like for about 80 minutes it looked like Argentina were going to waltz to a quite comfortable win in the World Cup final but uh tango surely (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so um Kylian Mbappe though um stepping up and really Nicholas Otamendi uh doing what he does and injecting some chaos to proceedings um with I mean, uh Moani absolutely leaves him for dead yeah there was nothing else that I, I mean maybe maybe that's too much I was gonna say there's nothing else Otamendi could do but maybe there, physically speaking there was nothing else he could do but pull him down right um and it's absolutely a penalty and and we've seen this from Nico Otamendi over the years yeah um and and like you said this is where like Kolo, Kolo Moani played like an 80th minute sub 
even though he came on before halftime, <laughs> like he really came alive towards the end of the towards yeah. the end of the uh, the game, and I thought actually he was very very good. Took his penalty well as well, but yeah, he gets the penalty. Mbappe lines it up. Nothing that Emmy Martinez shithousery can get through to this man who we'll talk about as I'm sure as the show goes on is probably going to be an all time great as well. Mm-hmm. But he gets the first of his hat trick. Yeah, and his game on France. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean there was an air of inevitability, uh, an air of inevitability about the equalizer. I don't know about you, but the second that they scored, I was like, mm, "No, some, yeah, was it like, feels like is... something's happening." Yeah, and um, it was one minute later <laughs> that ball in the air, bit of a bit of a like one two with Rabio, I think, right? Yeah, and. Mbappe scores with a as he's falling. Or Turam, Turam, Rabio to Turam, Turam. To Mbappe to back to Mbappe. Yeah, something yeah, like that. And uh, Mbappe as he's falling down, rifles the ball into the into the far corner on the volley. Yeah, unbelievable he finish. That so sweetly, just an insane finish across the keeper. Which I've seen people say that Emmy Martinez should have done better. Do you? think that to me it was like there's just so much power on that i don't know what you're meant to do i mean it hits his hand but i think yeah to your point like i think it hits it so early like in his mind emmy martinez is is diving and preparing to save a shot traveling half that speed (laughs) so if it's there in half the time that you think like everything about the strong left hand all that stuff like you're just not gonna get any purchase on that because it's it's behind you by the time your muscles are reacting (laughs) yeah i mean and just like that it's 2-2 in the 81st minute insanity and and it was madness like mbappe's reaction you know like the first one he sprints and grabs the ball the second one he's he's off to the corner flag um and you know you're seeing like this moment actually as Mbappe is celebrating they actually cut to Messi did you catch it looked like he was smiling he was yeah where he's bending over adjusting his socks yeah and he looks like he has a smile on his face it for me it was giving like god you play too much (laughs) <laughs> like it was just like why you know i'm not one of your strongest soldiers type beat um, <laughs> i mean he is but it was just giving like that kind of thing where it was like really though like it wasn't even like yeah like i don't think he was like we're done he was just like you're just gonna make me have to like do more right <laughs> type thing like that's what it was giving to me yeah i did catch that where he was kind of smiling like bro I don't know. I don't know what it gave to you. Like, was it just like he's? I I <laughs> think it going wrong. I think it was no. I think it was. I think it was Messi's acknowledgement of like the moment. Like touche. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, <laughs> well, and and like you mentioned for Argentinians talking about how like they have to suffer, you know. And I think like for in for you know Argentina's most famous son. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure he that must have crossed his mind where it's like, we we don't do it the easy way. Like, 
Like we have to earn it. Yeah, we were never no, gonna exactly. like we were never gonna win a World Cup final two nil. That's far too simple. Right, um, which to me, it wasn't like a smile of like, this is going wrong. It was like, you're going to make me do more. Yeah. Like, yeah. now I have to go out and, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, it does it it does end uh, 2-2. There, there's a very real chance that it, like, it. there's many other universes in which it does end in 90 minutes because... <laughs> There are all kinds of chances in those final 10 minutes, both ways. Um, and then again, in extra time, uh, <laughs> there are chances like flowing both ways. But we, the start of extra time, and I actually, I got a text like right after it happened. Um, we got what seemed to be like the moment, right? Like 109th minute, Lionel Messi, or a hundred. Right? 109th? 108th, yeah. 109th, yeah. yeah. Um, Lionel Messi, after a, a shot from a narrow angle is parried by Lloris from Lataro Martinez, who had his own game within a game um, after he comes on as a sub. His shot from a narrow angle is saved. Lionel Messi onto the rebound. And Bedlam in the stadium, right? And... In that moment, I got a text from from Pat Staley, a good friend of mine and and you know fellow uh, Liverpool fan, podcast host. Um, he texted me and he said, "Messi one oh nine, like with the you know minute apostrophe, like mark, mm-hmm. like Messi one oh nine. This is more than we deserve, like <laughs> like Messi with the extra time Shout winner." Out Pat. It felt it felt like it felt like that was like oh my god like here's the cherry on top of of this like Hollywood story. Um, I think I screamed "Let's go," <laughs> and my dogs were like scared and ran out of the room. <laughs> I mean, you t- you talked about how Lautaro Martinez sort of sets it up because it's the rebound from his shot, right? Did he have an awful cameo or a world class one? It's the strangest thing because, <laughs> like, his, because, gosh, his, uh, I don't know, it's he his touch. He 102 for Julian Alvarez. Yep. And had, in he misses about minutes, he did <laughs> multitudes. He misses about four XG worth of chances. <laughs> and then... But then it's his touch because it's a long ball forward for the goal. And he takes a touch that is like otherworldly. Like the ball absolutely dies on his foot and he lays it off to Messi, I think, to start the move before then drifting into what I thought was an offside position. And I was like, Lataro, you're going to do this. You're going to get this Messi goal chalked off. But Messi like plays it out to him. He's onside, and then like fashions this shot, which was actually a good, like it is a good shot. Like it's it's it is, yeah. it's hard. It's high, uh, like narrow angle, kind of awkward for Larice, and ultimately so awkward that it it's he palms it right to the on rushing Messi. But um, but yeah, Martinez is 
is one of those players where you just you just look at him and you're like you absolutely have like every ability to to be that guy like to be the hero and he just like for whatever reason like there's some kind of mental block going on with him where he just couldn't be that guy like he couldn't score the goal to win it like that it just wasn't ever going to be him to to actually score the goal yeah no i mean i think like you said like somewhat sarcastically he misses like 4xg but he made france fear again i think yeah after they just got a stranglehold on the game it was like okay now who's this because they just took off like their best presser but who's this who's still like bearing down at every chance and, right and giving Larice loads to think about so i would say that like the while i was frustrated in the moment and i may have called him lautaro Iguain, like in retrospect like <laughs> he actually had a good cameo i think just yeah. in terms of striking fear back into the heart of the french um, and ultimately, you know, he helps Messi score the third. But, of course, we're not done there. No. Even though we thought we were. <laughs> we it's thought like, that was it. You thought. You thought. And 118th minute. Yeah. Kylian Mbappe, he's winding to shoot from just outside the area, I think. Mm -hmm. And it hits the outstretched elbow of, was it? It was Paredes. Or Paredes. I think it's it? Paredes. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And it's definitely a handball, right? Yeah. It It's one of those where it's like, at once, like, the player didn't really do anything wrong, but it's definitely a handball. Mm. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. it's not like his arm is up. It's not like it's really out. Like, he's kind of turning away, but it's an outstretched arm, and it's hit by a shot. It Like, it has to be a handball. Right. He tries to legislate for it by turning away from the mm -hmm. shot, but still the arm is in a place that it should not be. And yeah. that man again, he Bop won't be it. silenced. Yeah. And like you said, against against a guy who there are a lot of people who blink when they're looking at Emmy Martinez in goal in a penalty shootout. Like he has faced down some of the best penalty takers on earth. Um, and Mbappe just was completely unflappable. Like, and he went the same way all three times. And, and I think all, and Debu dived the right way for like two of those at two least. Two of the three, I think. Yeah. Maybe got some fingertips on it, but the, the shot was just too powerful. Yeah. So to get that much power and accuracy from 12 yards, I mean. Yeah. Or just, you know, he lost on the day, but he, let's think about how Mbappe already has a world cup. And he's yeah. what 23 and now a hat trick in a world cup final he he turns 24 like... tomorrow ridiculous that's that's the thing i mean let's talk about mbappe a little bit because i mean he is going to end up being a footnote in this game in many ways where it's the first hat trick in a world cup final since like 1958 or something like that yeah. um but it's in a losing effort killing mbappe has 12 world cup finals goals um like the you know the actual tournament right has 12 goals he turns 24 tomorrow the record is 16 oh he's gonna like blow by that i mean we could be talking about a record that 
Who's doesn't that? get touched for, that's closer okay and it took it took four world cups i think to get to 16 like in mbappe has a very very real barring injury barring like something crazy happening mbappe like will break the record in 2026 yeah, he's going to wrap that up in the group stage at, like, MetLife. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about a 48-team World Cup, so he's going to get a chance to do it against, like, Gabon. Oh, man. Uzbekistan. <laughs> Nepal. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know who else. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like... <laughs> Armenia. Yep, yep. Yeah. San Marino's oh first World Cup birth. Um, Stop. That would be sick. <laughs> the most serene republic. The Vatican. The Vatican. Um, just all of the God. minor city states from Italy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the. Uh, so Mbappe, like, will shatter the record. He's going to be 28 at the next World Cup. So, oh I mean, odds are he's got at least two. Like one at twenty eight and one at thirty two, and that's if he doesn't do uh, like Messi or Ronaldo and play in another one when he's thirty six. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, I think we are witnessing like Cristiano Ronaldo reborn, regen. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I think he will. I mean. He, I mean, maybe in a couple years we'll laugh at this, but like right now, he looks like he could surpass what Ronaldo's done potentially, yeah. barring any like serious injuries. Because that's the thing about Ronaldo and Messi is like I'm not gonna get into that whole debate, but what I will say is like the thing that is unique to them is their longevity. Yeah, right. Just like and, availability. Right, and just consistency. Right, that's what really, really makes them like the ultimate s-tier players yeah and i think if you know the way that bobby's going it seems like he could be that guy too yeah holland like i think he's definitely had like injury concerns so we'll see right but um i mean yeah it, it just definitely seems like we're looking at like the new like cristiano um he was incredible like a ha this is the this is one of the performances by the losing team that i might actually like remember for years mm-hmm because of him. Yeah. Um just insane. And turns I don't know what more he could have done. Turns it around having basically had no opportunity to influence the game. Like up until <laughs> up until about 70 minutes. Mm. He hadn't hadn't gotten into a shooting position. He hadn't really had a chance to like run at anybody. Um he was just getting absolutely like played out of the game and then he ends the game with a hat trick like that's that's the and he made his penalty right yeah so yeah. he scores four times like in this against like the best penalty keeper yeah. in the world arguably yeah yeah so well i mean second to Quiven kelleher but Aside from, aside from, the, no. my bad, my bad. <laughs> we need to check his, uh, check, check Quiven's eligibility. Um, I believe he's an Irish international. So, um, so we come to penalties, and it was, it's in this moment. Like people talk about, like it's a, you know, it's a crapshoot. But we saw Messi and Mbappe 
take first for their respective countries. And I mean, it felt like this was a lesson learned because of what happened to Neymar in the quarterfinals. His his clubmates were like, I'm absolutely taking a penalty. Like, I'm not going to watch as we lose. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, it seems like there is something to that. I, I never understood that, like, the overthinking of the order. Like, I think you just go best to worst, like, period. Yeah. I mean, I've done that on football. I've done that on football manager for many years. And it's worked out for you, right? I mean, yeah, more often than not. (laughs) More often than not. Yeah. I mean, the penalties are excellent. Mbappe's is excellent. Messi's is excellent. I mean, Martinez, though, like, he definitely did his thing. Yeah. In uh, (laughs) getting some of these younger Frenchmen shook. Yeah. Did you think he crossed the line? Because there's been a lot of discourse about him throwing the ball from Chuamani. Do you think that was like, yeah, that's kind of dick, or it's like do whatever you can to win? I, I kind of land, I kind of land in the middle on this because like I think it is. It I mean it is sort of a dick move for sure. I think mm. I think the the reality though is that I would say. I don't think anyone from France is going to come out and say, like, unless they have already, but I don't think anyone from France, like, in their truest moment would say, like, that they wouldn't do the same given, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I knew like, that it not, would impact, like, the outcome. They're not being outcome, like, this is why we lost. <laughs> right, right. No, actually, it might be, but. Anyway. I mean, it's at least <laughs> maybe part of the reason, but, um, but I think. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do what you can. Like, and and I think there's been a conver- you know, there's a broader conversation about gamesmanship and all that stuff that like goes on. And there's always a lot of like, I mean, we've talked about the like pearl clutching and like hand wringing mm. earlier in the yeah. tournament from people who are like, oh, like they're they're dirty players or they like they're you know, it's not like sportsmanlike and all this stuff. And it, you know, at the end of the day, like you're trying to win and if there's something that can give you an edge that's within the confines now, I mean, did he run the risk of like being booked or something like that? Like probably he does eventually right in the very end. He gets a yellow card. I think so. Um, end of extra, extra time. Was that, I don't know. Yeah. I but, know he got booked, but yeah, I think, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if, if anybody knew, like if you knew the outcome would be that Chuameni missed because I got in his head or something like that, then I think anybody would take that. Yeah. Shout out Paula Dybala, by the way, La Hoya. I was like, why are you making a sub for the sole reason to take a penalty? <laughs> but he does smash his right down the middle, and I, yeah. just, I love that for him. I really do. The the stones on Argentina, I mean, Messi and... Dybala went one and two and both went down the middle um, or like more or less down the middle <laughs> against, yeah. against Lloris, just kind of banking on the fact that he'd, that he well, died. Lloris goes early. Yeah. He goes early. Yeah. Messi certainly waited for him to go and then just put it the other side. Yeah. And we'd but. seen, we'd seen uh, Croatia took a similar tack actually in the shootout against Brazil um, where, like Modric and uh well I can't remember who took their second penalty but basically like they're 
their first like three penalty takers all went straight down the middle because they were just banking on Allison diving. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it proved to be effective for Argentina as well. But, um, the decisive, the decisive moments, I guess, um, the save, obviously Chuameni's miss, um, ends up being like the, the one, I guess, but, um, well, I'm trying to think who, who was saved, who did, who did Martinez save from? He saved on Kingsley Coman. Coman, which I actually felt for, for Coman as well, because I thought he was really good. <laughs> I thought he was really good too. And actually <laughs> like once I, he call, came I wanted him to come on earlier. I think I said that in the group chat. I was like, this is a Coman type game. Like, yeah. get him belly out of here. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. harsh harsh on Coman um losing losing in that or missing in the manner that he did. It's a really good save from Martinez, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, Chuameni drags it wide. But the the winner comes courtesy of Gonzalo Montiel. Um and really calm penalty given the circumstances right in the corner again Loris like goes early goes you know guesses wrong um and uh the immediate scenes I was watching I was watching on Telemundo like because Andres Cantor like can't be beat but Andres uh is Argentinian like origin yeah. and um his reaction i like at the at the like once montiel scored uh i was i was emotional to the point yeah. of like <laughs> to the point of like my wife was like are you crying i was like no <laughs> i'm not crying I, but i like that uh there's something about like montiel yeah. shirt immediately comes off covering his face <laughs> like he's just breaks down into tears immediately the whole team like swarms messy at 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 the center line um scaloni's just like watching on from the sideline like doesn't sprint on the pitch like doesn't like be try to become like the center of attention like he just takes it all in he's kind scaloni, of scaloni like, scaloni is what got me to be honest like and that's then, the part that made me emotional which i was surprised about and then when paredes came over like then he breaks down like yes but the it way is, is like, he broke down where he like his he like puffs his cheeks out and just starts sobbing i was like oh yeah. my god like <laughs> you literally like fell into this job because no the afa didn't want to pay anyone else yeah and now and you're brought them a copa america and a world Cup. <laughs> the first argentine oh, manager to please. ever do that no manager had ever won both Oh my god! Like he's just incredible. Yeah, incredible. It's, it's a, it was an insane final. The emotion, like obviously, poured out. Um, the scenes after the final whistle, uh, and and you you said like <laughs> the joy scrolling, but I mean, the fact like Messi being carried on the shoulders of the team, like with the World Cup trophy, like. like the the shades of of maradona and just like all of those like 
it it was truly like an unbelievable um and to what is I I would say the finest World Cup final like that I have seen. Bar none. Yeah. I I I'm I'm gonna think about this one for a long time. Like I just what it means to Argentina, these players, me, Messi, of course, like literally completed football. Mm-hmm. Like if he could ride off into the sunset now, and I don't think anyone would begrudge him. He won't because he's still world class. Wins right. the golden ball. Yep. Came second in the golden boot to his PSG teammate Kylian Mbappe. But it just, I'm just so happy. <laughs> like, I really <laughs> am. Like, because France will have another chance. Like, this new generation that's coming through, like, they're not even close to the final form. Yeah. You know, they have the future of Real Madrid's midfield there. They have really good attackers. They have Mbappe, who's not anywhere close to his prime. Yeah. So, it's just, it was Argentina's time. And yeah. um, I'm just glad that they they didn't throw it away. And they did it the way that they know how, which is to suffer. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, Messi, like, you can't say anything about him now. He's he's the GOAT, like, period. Yeah. No, truly. And he's gone out of, I guess, like, the, he's come out of this World Cup, his, likely his final, or it is his final wor- World Cup by his own admission, but um, mm. he's come out of it with with the title um and uh in terms of the joy scrolling i think that my favorite video i saw was uh the guy riding his bike through the like empty buenos aires street did you see this i don't think so what was that one? Oh man well i'll i'll show it to you once we're once we're done or we could we could look it up but he, <laughs> he he's riding his bike down like an empty street during penalties uh-huh and like is filming and captures the exact moment that the penalty was scored that Montiel scores the winning penalty and like he's just riding like down a street and the noise like at the at the like at the goal and then just the amount of people that pour onto the street like oh, he literally amazing. can't like get around anymore <laughs> like and it's just like this unbelievable like outpouring of like this split He's second like, hey, where man, this... this is the bike lane yeah. <laughs> 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 i have the right of way actually so <laughs> um but yeah so there there's lots of just unbelievable scenes and and it was it was just one of those um like pure moments um that i think a lot of people will remember love it love it love it yeah the scenes were just Oh man, Scaloni though. I don't know why. I don't know why. He just really his reaction of just like stunned. Yeah. Stunned silence. And then like realizing and then again the the puffing of just the like, cheeks out and the breaking down. It was just it was too much. Unbelievable. Too much. Well, we got a couple of questions as we as we you know, we tried to like capture what was an incredible incredible final um but we got a question from our friend Harry at Remincole on Twitter, just asking, was the Qatar World Cup a success? He says, on the pitch, I say 100%. Off pitch, hell no. 
from a players and fan view, having everything close seemed pretty cool. Messi winning is a huge positive. So how does this World Cup look five to ten years from today? I mean, I think I pretty much 100% agree with Harry here. I think the football itself was fabulous. I mean, we, you know, we acknowledge that there was a lot of, like, draws and maybe not the best, like, tactical or technical quality in some of the fixtures. But as for entertainment value, I thought it was absolutely excellent. It was enthralling. I was fully invested in it the whole way through Mm -hmm. um, in a way that I don't – I really don't think I was in 2018 – really um i think that and it, and i think that it has to do with the fact that the us wasn't there sure so like right away i didn't have like an, a super rooting interest of course japan like i follow them and everything but you know i am a usa fan first and foremost so it helps helps when your nation's there to like sure. give you something to care about in the group stages you know um yeah, on the pitch, one hundred percent. Off the pitch, of course, like it's it's super problematic for myriad reasons. Um, but he made that a very interesting point about everything being close because, you know, like for example, Brazil, twenty fourteen, like that tournament was played all over the country. Yeah, and Brazil's a big country. Twenty twenty six will be played over three countries. It's gonna be insane. Um, whereas Qatar, like it was for the most part played in a city, which is kind of like cool in a way. Yeah. Um, I think the farthest stadium was like Albate, which is like 45 minutes outside the city center, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Maybe Christian can, can you know, correct us on that. But um, yeah, I think that was something unique about it. And then, of course, it being in the Arab world, I think it just allowed different um, segments of the footballing fandom to to come through and, and support their team. So yeah. um, I think this this World Cup will live long in, in my memory and for the football I think it was superb and probably the best final I've ever seen like period yeah (laughs) I think like this I think the thing that all that all always kind of attached to this world cup was just the the drama in terms of like what happened on the field it's like you mentioned there are a couple of draws maybe some some of the like quality in some of the games was maybe not the best but the there was something like narrative was king and there was Mm -hmm. always some type of narrative like i even talked in the final i made a joke uh in a tweet earlier today about the fact because people were talking about the cola muani chance which emmy martinez saved which we didn't even we didn't even touch on oh my god deep into extra time tournament probably one of (laughs) just an unbelievable save but i I was like the real thing that saved Kolo Muani from scoring that was uh the game had like plot armor like it was <laughs> there were narrative goals only like Messi Di Maria and Mbappe were the goal scorers right like it was only only narrative could drive who scored <laughs> Kolo Muani was not in the script and unfortunately for him like he his goal would not have met narrative like and like it would not have driven the drama so like it would have been dramatic for like a negative and sort of like depressing reason although for Colin Mwani like he's had an unbelievable I think he's had a great like tail end of this tournament and I think he's actually like come through as one of like the most like maybe one of the French players who like increased their standing the most but like all of these goals were had to be dramatic had to have like narrative function 
And that was like, nope, this was not in the script. Like, we cannot have Kola Muani score. And, uh, and so anyways, like, I think it was just like the height of drama. Like, you know, the team who won was beaten by one of the teams who was thought to be the worst at the tournament in the first, in the first match. Like, the, uh, a bunch of traditional powers get, like, dumped out. Um, mm-hmm. A African team makes a semifinal for the first time ever. Like, there's just all these, like, it was just, like, drama. Like, there was just drama everywhere. Um, I think you just brought up something for me that I wanted to say, too. Is sure. like, the, the mudding of UEFA in this tournament <laughs> was wonderful. <laughs> shout out Japan. Shout out Morocco. <laughs> like, yeah. that was, yeah, I love that about this tournament. I really did. And, and that's nothing against, like, UEFA. It's just, like, they are the powerhouses. You know, they have the most right. resource, the best players. It was nice to see, you know, those non-powerhouse sides, if you will, um, do really well. Other so, people yeah. get a seat at the table. And then the last Absolutely. thing that I'll, the last thing I'll say is that, like, as far as the off-the-field stuff, it is it is becoming, like, increasingly common for us – all to like basically it's impossible to enjoy anything in a completely like moral way if that makes sense like you buy a coffee from a coffee shop and like oh did you know that like that coffee shop uses uh, far, like exploited farmers and pays like like the the beans are like not fair trade. Yeah, they're yeah. not fair trade. They're not like they don't pay like fair price for those. That you know they're or like they're not farmed sustainably and like they're destroying that farmland. All that stuff. Like there's all kinds of yeah. We're basically and I'm stealing this idea from the show The Good Place. If anyone has watched it, but it's like mm. it's like uh basically the idea that there's anything that you can do that is like. It's like, oh, you brought, bought that strawberry? Like, was that off of a, you know, like an industrial farm and like <laughs> whatever, you know? Right, yeah. So there's just like, I think right now it's like you watch a soccer game and you are supporting, you know, you're like indirectly supporting a regime that exploited migrant workers and created a system in which like immigration was extremely difficult and like confiscated people's passports put them in unsafe working conditions and at the same time it's like where can we like allow ourselves to enjoy like the thing that we're that is in front of us Mm -hmm. while still like still calling to like the attention to the things that need to like happen but it's like are we meant to live like joyless lives <laughs> like I mean, in the interest no... of in the interest of fighting things that unfortunately for like you and I short of like raising awareness like we're not capable of taking down like the billionaires that that run this sport you know what I mean and I know that's sort of a bleak thought but it's like at the same time it's like what's the alternative like is the alternative I just like give up this thing that I love. Well, I, I, what I was going <laughs> to say is, I mean, there's no way, there's no way in the modern world to not be a hypocrite. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> like there really isn't. And the things that are closer to us, we're louder about. And so I think that when it comes to this World Cup, these discussions right here are what we can do. Like keep talking mm-hmm. about it. You know, and I think that will be like the shame almost about this ending, this World Cup ending is maybe some of that discourse goes away. But then again, maybe not because there's quite a few people in the EU being charged with corruption for stuff related to this FIFA World Cup. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the fallout of this, I think we're not even close to seeing everything that could happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's like do we compartmentalize the things we enjoy? Um, right. And is that the right thing to do? I, I think, know. again, there's no way to live 100% morally, like, correct, I don't think. I don't know. If someone Not is in... doing that out there, then, like, you you know, <laughs> power to you. But I, I just yeah. don't see how it's possible if you want to enjoy, like, the zeitgeist. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, yeah. I But, yeah, I mean what harry said like off the pitch like a extremely mess. problematic it, it it was an enjoyable tournament on the pitch and with that being said there's been a lot of conversation over recent now that the tournament's over about the best players uh mm-hmm. best teams those sorts of things and so we are going to bring you our individual best 11s uh for the 2022 world cup so mika i figured we could go in uh sort of squad number order so <laughs> goalkeeper well, we both, forward we both did four three three is right i did a four three three as well okay that'll make things easier okay so, so we can start i figured we start at goalkeeper and, and move our way forward um so okay. who did you have at goalkeeper in your team of the tournament this was so hard. I had three. Literally, I had like one slash two slash three, and I was like, <laughs> who do I go with? I ended up going with Yassin Bono, oh, okay. Bono of Morocco, yep. just because I think the sheer amount of clean sheets he kept, like you can't really overlook that. And sure, he didn't face as many shots as maybe some other keepers did, but um, just he was just solid the entire time through. Yeah. Um, and... I kind of have a soft spot for him because he was like, there are these random players that I get attached to and he's one of them from when when he was at Real Zaragoza. Um, And so I just have loved to see him progress through the Spanish uh, football league system and to see him show out on this world stage is just really kind of crazy when he's a player that I just randomly started following back in like 2015, 2016. Um, So I, I picked Bono for my, my goalkeeper. So did I. Uh, hey. <laughs> I actually went with Bonu, like partially because I, I really do think he was he was the best keeper, like, um, in terms of coming up in big moments, keeping clean sheets against like quality opposition, and um, that shootout against Spain, like the penalties against Spain, he saves well i guess he saves two and and one's off the post but like for spain to score zero in a penalty shootout that's insane like you're talking about some of the most technically gifted players on earth um and bonu saves like saves two um and was just like absolutely immense um and in the game against portugal i think in particular like came up with some 
some big saves and and some of those moments where it's like shaky goalkeeping has knocked bigger teams like out of this tournament so mm. um so yeah i thought he was a huge part of the reason that morocco made it as far as he as they did so um so now <laughs> i'm curious about where this is gonna go because i joked about oops all moroccans like at the end of last episode <laughs> but now we move to right back uh and who did you have at right yeah. back <laughs> ashraf hakimi <laughs> ofc i uh I I put Hakimi as well. There was a there was a moment like I mean there have been some wonderful right back performances at this World Cup, so I think it's it is probably harsh on a on a handful of players. But Hakimi was, I mean, part of just this this wonderful Moroccan side, and um, and yeah. So I think even though a right back ultimately scores the winning penalty in the in the final, uh, Montiel. Well, not. and the way the way he celebrated, like it was a kickabout. Like, yeah, you just knocked out your birth country. Hakimi's penalty against Spain, just yeah. I mean, unbelievable. And yeah, and the- he's just a joy in the attack. Like he he gives you. Maybe this is unfair. Um, and I'm only basing it on this tournament, but I feel like he gives you what like Teo Hernandez gives you, but without like it looking so chaotic. Sure, <laughs> it looks, and maybe that's a credit to to Morocco and the way that they play, in that like there's mitigation for him going forward that maybe Teo doesn't get. But I just I love, I love what he did at this tournament. I, uh... yeah, there was there was a handful of. Uh handful of other players who who easily could have gotten into that into that spot but Hakimi um just for the the consistency across so on to center backs um I guess we can just start with a center back and and go from there but there's probably one that we share in this one at least probably but I'll, I'll go with the one that maybe we don't okay and I've picked uh Harry Sutar of Australia. Yeah. The 6-6 monster from Stoke City. Um he was immense for Australia and what was an a, a historic run for the Socceroos and like just a leader back there and just clearing everything away and like just he was immense. He really was. Yeah. Um and yeah, for them to make it to the round of 16, I think he had a lot a lot to do with that to be fair. Um, and you know, they gave, they gave Argentina a scare. Let's not forget. Um, and Debo Martinez had to come up with that, that big save at the end. But, um, yeah, I thought Harry Sutar was really good, a big leader for his side. And, uh, I know he didn't make it as far as some of these other choices, but I just wanted to give him a shout out because, um, our, our fellow soccer using terminology folks, (laughs) Australia (laughs) deserved a shout out, I think. Yeah. No, he was he was absolutely he was absolutely lights out for I mean it, he was a huge part of the reason that they made it as far as they did and a huge part of the reason that that uh game against Argentina was as close as it ended up being um cuz let's not yeah. forget that Australia actually did make a game of that round of 16 matchup which many I I think thought would uh would not go quite as well for Australia as it did, but, um, 
well keep it keeping it with morocco because i'm just like i may as well just ju- l- lump them together what a sim. i know no, right it's uh <laughs> i mean it's crazy how how well a lot of these players did play and and roman saiz um fan favorite for fan favorite for wolverhampton wanderers <laughs> and uh i mean he was absolutely unbelievable um and the team was noticeably would noticeably hurt like when he was out um it it was noticeable and uh yeah he was just he was just uh so steadfast back there and and kept uh morocco in in a lot of these games i mean they you'll notice a theme in this team but you could tell that morocco was uh a solid solid defensive unit and there's a reason that you know basically uh up until the semifinal um they had not conceded a goal uh from like scored by an opposition player because uh a Gerard had a Gerard's own goal against Canada was the only goal that they had allowed up until France scored two in the semifinal yeah it's just such a shame what happened to his hamstring because he's He's been good, and it makes you wonder if uh, Julian Lopetegui was looking at that and saying, "Do I, do I introduce this guy?" Because I feel like he kind of was made marginalized by Bruno Lage, but yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. And then, I feel like this. I feel like we might have the same player for Gavardiol. the Gavardiol. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about Yashko Gavardiol. Um, I know he's he's obviously like been kind of the talk of the tournament at center back but you know why is that oh i mean because he plays like a grown-ass man um and he's only 20 he was born in 2002 yes he is 20 years old like 2002 yep that's disgusting yeah (laughs) but i mean he's he's just a lovely lovely footballer i mean he's really got it all um Six one, good size, good like excellent reading of the game, uh, composed, good left foot, come through that that Dino Mazagreb Youth Academy, which we know like produces great great players, and then of course going on to RB Leipzig. So I mean his his career trajectory is like everything you want in a modern footballer, really in terms sure. of like learning their trade. And I think the last I saw was that Chelsea were in for him, and he's he's going to be class wherever he goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just has everything. And really the only, the only uh, setback he really suffered was getting put in the spin cycle by Lionel Messi. And again, I don't think there's any shame in that. Like, I think it's actually a rite of passage for a world-class footballer or soon to be world-class footballer. So um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's fantastic. And I think Croatia are, um, I think they can certainly build around him at the back, at least uh, yeah. him and and Pavlovic. Um, and I think I think you know if Enzo Fernandez hadn't won the FIFA Young Player Award, it might have been him. So fair enough. Well, um, on to left back, and mm-hmm. this one, I mean, not as many not as many standout left backs uh i felt but who who did you go with in uh in on that left side of defense yeah i was i was like kind of torn with this choice 
because I thought he was like excellent, but also had like shocking moments. So I went, I and I just finished like kind of slandering him when I was talking about Hakimi, but I did pick Dale Hernandez mm-hmm. just because I thought that he was so crucial to France's attacking play in what I thought was a very like you know low intensity showing from this French side. Um, but yeah. Dale Hernandez consistently added pace and directness to this team, um, and. Uh, I think it was a bit of a breakout for him in the French shirt because typically it would be his brother playing left back, uh, Luca, who's much more defensive but mm-hmm. has struggled um, mightily with injuries. So yeah, I think Teo Hernandez, for the most part, took his chance. Um, and there will now be competition, perhaps, between brothers for that left back spot going forward. Um, but yeah, I thought for the most part he had a good tournament, not a good final. Yeah. Um, some shaky moments in other games, but for the most part, like attacking wise, very good. Yeah. And just he's superb for Milan, so it wasn't really a surprise right. that he could perform that way going forward. So really good goal in the semifinal too against Morocco and Yeah, absolutely. Lot makes it look a lot easier than it actually is uh, <laughs> to hit like a hip high scissor kick. Uh yeah. So. That seemed to like take forever. Like <laughs> felt like that ball was rising for like ten whole seconds. I uh I went way out there for this one, but this was this I wanted to recognize one my favorite team that didn't like the team that I thought played the best at not to make it out of the group. <laughs> okay. And to recognize a club team that had a significant impact on this World Cup. And that is Pervisa Stupinyan from Ecuador. Brighton gang. Brighton ran this World Cup. (laughs) Big facts. (laughs) And Stupinyan was really good (laughs) for an Ecuador team that absolutely deserved to make it out of the group. Like it was, it was a a deficit to this World Cup that they did not make it out. I Um, love that shout. I really do. And and so I will say, like in a more just world um they they make it out of the group and actually i think it would have been at the expense of the netherlands which would have been really really interesting uh wait is they'll that be right back yeah they'll yeah, be the back yeah i rate their manager i really do and this new crop coming through with him in capier caicedo yeah, they'll, they'll be back caicedo oh my gosh yeah. yeah yeah the only thing they'll need to replace really is enter valencia who just had another whatever three goals at another world cup like as he does yeah um so yeah i'm I'm gonna let you talk about our number six (laughs) go ahead okay you know you know who it is uh sophia namrabat um unbelievable and i think like now that they've published some of the more like detailed statistics and things from the world cup it it was he had the most uh, possession recoveries of any player at the World Cup. Um, so the eye test and like what the pundits are saying of like, hey, this guy is <laughs> this this guy's really good. They're they're not lying. Um, and in a team that basically needed, they needed that person to be able to nullify whichever like potent attacking force. Uh, was out there like the deeper they got into you know it's like you keep thinking like for these guys like Amrabat who he plays at Fiorentina like 
respectable club. He plays in Serie A. It's, it's nothing to sneeze at by any stretch. Mm. But in these teams that are maybe less favored, you think like sur- surely when he comes up against the likes of, you know, Gavi Pedri, or surely when he comes up against the likes of Joao Felix, uh, Bernardo Silva, like he'll be overawed and he'll be like, they'll be running circles around him. And he just wasn't like he nullified everybody. Um, and even, even in the game against France, like despite the fact that they lose that game, he was still immense. Like, cause France, you know, it, it took some doing like breaking, breaking Morocco down. Um, even though that, you know, they score the early goal, but, but really like, you know, Griezmann, like, although he played extremely well, he wasn't as influential, like as he could have been. And, um, so anyways, Amrabat was, was just, uh, so perfect for this Morocco team. And, um, I'm glad that he's gotten the plaudits because I think it would have been so easy for them to overlook like what he was doing, you know, for kind of like a casual viewing of the game, Mm. you know, not really noticing what Amrabat is doing. So I'm glad that that's something that's come out of this World Cup in recognizing the play of like a truly, a truly world-class performance from, from a defensive midfielder who isn't, you know, the flashiest player or anything like that, but, but truly shut down like some of the best offensive talents in the game bar none. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I mean, like, yes, he was definitely like a Hoover in that deep midfield, but like he did spring some counterattacks for Morocco. For like, sure. His through balls were quite good. Um, so I'm interested to see if anyone will, um, try to snatch him up from Fiorentina because Fiorentina knew they saw the vision because they made him the the deep lying midfielder in their their system when Lucas Torreira was coming off a very good season and they weren't yeah. willing to shell out so they went with Amrabat so I mean now they can name their price I think uh for the Moroccan so well moving further up in midfield who uh who did you have i i had a hell of a time with this because there's <laughs> there's one person who i think is is a lock but there's a it's really that interesting there's a second where uh, where i i think it's a little bit tougher i think we're in agreement on one though and i think it was a player that i mentioned in Amrabat's uh you know eulogy or whatever <laughs> my eulogizing <laughs> um and maybe one of the most influential players at the tournament um up to a point about greasy <laughs> i wanted to let you 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 let me talk about amrabat so i'd like you to talk about the the new and improved number eight antoine griezmann <laughs> antoine griezmann pogba de Conte. um <laughs> just this guy has had he's been on a journey like the the Barcelona move the decision coming back to Atleti being like his minutes played with so they wouldn't trigger some kind of clause where they'd have to pay Barcelona an insane amount and now he's back like at Atleti for good back with Diego Simeone where he belongs comes to this tournament and balls out like 
yes, French the French fell in the final and he was marginalized, I think, in that game, it's fair to say. Yeah. But before that, France's best player. Yeah. Like, yes, and I'm saying that over Mbappe. Like, because mm-hmm. Griezmann was just consistent. Um, creating, tackling, taking cards when he needed to, breaking up the play, doing like I said, doing the job of two or three midfielders. I sure. mean, doing the Pogba. I mean, because I think Deschamps' idea for Griezmann was like, okay, we don't have Pogba, you're going to be him. But he did Pogba <laughs> and Conte. Like, get you somebody that could do both. Like, <laughs> And I just thought that Griezmann was just phenomenal. This tournament, like, just he just did everything. He really did everything. I think I think a big reason why France went as far as they did is because of him. Yeah. Um. You know, and it, and it used the narrative used to be like, oh, you know, he gets he and Giroud get the best out of each other, and it's like he and Giroud were like nowhere near each other for most of most of this tournament, and right. and he was still able to to be just as influential, if not more. Um. So I mean, this guy, it just shows what a high level football mind he is that he yeah. can drop this further down and still down on the pitch at least mm-hmm. and or deeper on the pitch and, and still play to this high level. Um, and now I'm wondering if Simeone's like, Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, Antoine Griezmann was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no, I mean, very well said. And, uh, yeah, I I think just like you said, France don't make it as far as they do if if not for Griezmann in that role cuz um the the amount of work that he did ahead of Chuameni and and Rabio like took a lot of pressure off of what would have been a very tested midfield duo. Um but with that being said, who is who's the other midfielder? So we've got Amrabat as the lock at the six. We've got Griezmann as the most yeah. advanced eight. Who yeah. is that like that other eight? I guess on the on the other side. This one was hard, man. Like I I feel like I ended up picking what I thought was like the, the right answer and not necessarily like following my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I picked Luka Modric. Okay. But I think really I wanted to pick Alexis McAllister because <laughs> I like Alexis McAllister. But I picked Luka Modric because like you just have to put respect on this man's name for yeah. what he's done for Croatia generally. Um, and in this tournament, I mean, even when they were getting the break speed off them by Argentina, he was still one of the best players on the pitch. Yeah. At times playing like right back, mm-hmm. <laughs> like really well mm-hmm. <laughs> at 37 years old. Um, and just like dribbling out of pressure, winning a lot of ground duels, tackling, playing the ball forward, escaping pressure, like just, just all the things that we know Modric can do at 37. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Croatia is able to consistently bring forward players of his ilk is really, really impressive for such a small nation. And I mean, he's a Ballon d'Or winner for a reason. I think... I'm willing to admit that, like, at the time, I took the piss out of that Ballon d'Or because I just did not – I don't think I understood his genius. Sure. But, like, now seeing it for so, so many years, I'm like, yeah. Like, He's... this is one of the all-time yeah. greats. Like, the modern Cruyff, yeah. maybe? 
Like, yeah. he's... Luka Modric is just unreal, and so I, I figured he had to be in, in my 11. I, uh... I, on the other hand, did let my emotions pick over my okay. what I sh- what I probably should, uh, and <laughs> I went with Jude Bellingham. Um, nice. And, okay. And Jude, for me, is like, I think the thing that that made him stick out because between I was I was kind of torn between either of Argentina's midfield like. I was like, is it Enzo? Mm. Is it Alexis? Like, or is it Jude? Like, and I kind of went between all three. Any of them deserve to be in, like, in the team. But I went with Jude because he, for me, like, had one of the most influential performances. Uh, not Maybe not on the level of, like, a Griezmann who was influential throughout, but against Senegal in the round of 16, I I think that game goes poorly for England if not for the intelligence of Jude Bellingham and what he did um, in both. the I think it was the first and the second goal because the first goal he sets up for Henderson, right? Um, and that is all about a run that he makes in between the lines that Southgate teams just don't do. Like there's, mm. not, there's not something about Southgate's system that says my midfielders do this and make runs ahead of the forwards or into like the seams or anything like that. And he makes this run into the forward left, like into that forward left channel um, that created basically the first opening that England had had in the opening, almost 40 minutes. Um, And then for the second goal, it's like the other half of his game, which is, he makes like an insane turn and and pass into space um in midfield that springs the counter like for, for to set up the second so yeah oh. for me he's just like one of those complete players that i think um in 4 years we'll be talking about like in the you know in the similar vein of like this guy's done everything he's like you know he's been on the biggest stages he's like he you know he's he's won you know what you can and I think like England have in him a player that if they get if they get it right he's absolutely the type of player that you could build you could build an entire an entire team around um because he's just he's just that good and you talked about with Griezmann like the brain and I think I think Bellingham has like a similar for being so young um similarly has like a football IQ that's just like through the roof so I gotta say I'm I'm surprised you included anyone from England but <laughs> me too pleasantly surprised <laughs> me too <laughs> and <laughs> thing about Jude too is his leadership yeah um that surprised me a little bit I mean he's the first one over to Harry Kane when he blazes over that second penalty and you know yeah. I'm trying to tell him like hey it's fine like let's keep going um and yeah I mean, he just strikes me as someone with so much authority on the pitch um, at his pretty tender age for a sure. footballer. So, yeah, no, that's a great shout. Things are probably going to get a little bit more predictable here, but uh, <laughs> I guess who'd you have on the, well, what I guess it would be on the right? On the right. I mean, 
the goat. You know Messi. He's not really a right winger anymore, but like, yeah, I figure that's the natural place for him. And my four three three. I mean, Golden Boot. You know, however many goal involvements he had, tons of penalties, clutch moments. The pass from Molina will live rent free. Yeah. Um, finally wins the World Cup that his career deserves. Just. I'm out of words for the man. Yeah. Like I really am. Like he's just incredible and like I he doesn't look finished at all. No. Like not even close. Yes, he had a t- you know, a rough by his standards, a rough season, first season in Paris, but I think after everything that happened to him that's understandable. Yeah. Um but this season he's started wonderfully and of course in this tournament he's been immense. Um you know, the best player while still, like, having a lot of help. And I, I love that right. for him. So, yeah, messy. That is it, – it, I think that is the wildest thing is that you're, like, if if you were describing a player in a vacuum of, like, ah, they're at their their last World Cup and they won the title, mm-hmm. there would be many assumptions about, like, ah, like, probably – probably advanced in age and like less of a less of an influence on the team all those sorts of things and like the fact that Messi was still the best player on (laughs) on the team that won the world cup um is just like such a such a credit to to him for maintaining a level that you know many will never reach and he's been at this level for close to 20 years Mm. yeah it's absolutely insane um and then i guess i guess we can get the other the other uh like obvious one maybe out of the way but on the left Kylian. yeah i mean golden boot he was on my 11 before the final so (laughs) (laughs) i mean he just cemented it with with the freaking hat trick in the final Yeah, yeah i mean come on the goals against he's Poland, just two bangers. Like to, he's got no business scoring either of them, and that's just that's just who he is. He yeah, he was outstanding. Um, and like you said, turning twenty four tomorrow. Turning twenty four by the time this podcast drops, and just <laughs> not even anywhere near close to his, his final form. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, like it's terrifying if you're coming up against him and like the revenge tour starts now yeah <laughs> period <laughs> yeah Mbappe Mbappe uh like for France at Euro at Euro 24 um is a terrifying prospect mm. he'll be yeah. 20 like 25 well yeah he'll be like 25 and a half and it's in France, if I'm not mistaken, is that so? I think I think it's I think Euro 24 is in France. Oh shit! Which, if I'm right about that, like we should start, we should start planning for the trip. We oh, should... Germany! It's in Germany. Oh, it's in Germany. Oh, it is in Germany because our good friend Eric Bauer was like, "I want to go. We should all go." And I was Hell like, yeah. "Yes, HXC, let's do it." HXC <laughs> trip to the euros in germany that's right okay it is in germany well that'll be awesome as well but anyways mbappe at euro 24 like yeah yeah look out um striker 
this is this is an area where I was I was really interested about where you're gonna go. I have an idea. Do you? I, but but it depends. It it depends on whether you led with your you know your heart or <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to take it because striker play was actually like one of those things that kind of made a resurgence. It's like one of the stories of this World Cup that like people actually use nines again. True. Well, and that, and I think we've seen that in the in the club game too. Yeah. Um. I this was hard. This was really hard. And actually, yeah. I'm not even. I'm not sure that about my choice, but I'm I'm gonna stick with it. I picked Julian Alvarez. Yeah. Is that who you thought I would picked? Uh, no. I w- I thought you might go with Giroud. Actually. Interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, he was he was great too. Yeah. Um. I think you know what really like I why I didn't go with him because I felt like his performance against Morocco was like low key catfish because he was playing against an injured Roman Saiz and to see Giroud outrun someone was just like this is not right. <laughs> so I was like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I'm not fair doing enough. that. Fair enough. <laughs> That's a really petty reason, but I'm sticking to it. Julian Alvarez for me, like. Yeah. I, again, like I just love that this Argentina team has players like him who are taking responsibility and like not playing within themselves because they're playing alongside the best ever. Right. Like we've seen others in the past. Sure. Uh and other iterations of this Argentina side. And like he is one of the best pressing strikers in the world. Um, there's a reason why Manchester City went for him, even though they <laughs> have Holland too like and he's been excellent for them as well despite playing in Holland's shadow a little bit and sure um I I just love I love everything about this player I love that he's versatile mm-hmm. across the forward line um and seems to link very well with Messi and is just a lot you know high energy a lot for for the opponent to to handle and um I love that he took responsibility in this tournament scored a couple good goals yeah um so yeah, he could start, I think, for any side in the world, honestly. The thing that's scary about him is the fact that at this World Cup, I mean, the, showing what he did in terms of, like, he can play on the left. Well, I mean, he could pop up anywhere, I guess, but he plays so naturally, like, he fits so naturally as a left winger in, like, if he, if you were to play it, you know, if you assume a 4-3-3, like, he absolutely could play as yeah. as a winger in that system and i think that's what's scary because i've seen a bunch of discourse of like oh well you know if holland's out then like city still have julian alvarez and it's like even if holland is in he could play like that's right. that's what's terrifying like right. alvarez could link up with holland that's not like it's not mutually exclusive and that's why it's so scary because it's like they could absolutely fit in the side together and you could absolutely see how that would work. Like right. With yeah, how absolutely. he operates in the wide areas. So um yeah, that's that's the that was what was really like haunting me about the whole thing is I was like, I wish he was less effective as a winger because <laughs> uh when he gets back to City, if if Pep finds out a way to get him and Holland in the same team, like that's an absolutely terrifying prospect. Um it's over for you hoes, yeah. Us being the hoes. I uh, yeah, we are we are the Premier the League being the hoes. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I so I went different with this one and this is partially me just owning owning my shit 
Okay. But also, I want to acknowledge, like, a team that probably had a deeper run in them, and this player was a joy to watch, like, which went again. Every muscle fiber in my body strained against wanting to like or enjoy this man's performance at the World Cup. Richarlison. Love that. Like, was he the best striker? Like, no, he didn't score the most goals. He didn't, like... But in terms of, like, the entertainment value, plus, like, how Brazil played and how he played in this Brazil side for the first... You know, basically up until the quarterfinal, mm-hmm. like, was truly like a joy to watch and it was very like it was entertaining it was like they had that old school sort of like samba feel again like that it it didn't feel like some of these like recent brazil iterations which have felt almost like kind of i don't want to say robbed of their brazilianness or anything like that but <laughs> but maybe losing a little bit of their identity in that so many of their players are playing at huge clubs in europe so it's like they they play a more European style game. Like, they play a more, like, club sort of style. And so for them to come out and, you know, for Richarlison to score, like, an overhead <laughs> in the opening game, and then, you know, the, the game against South Korea, like, the dribbling, like, off his head playing like this insane sequence to to go through on goal i i just thought it felt like old school like jogo bonito and it was just cool Mm -hmm. like it was fun to watch and it's actually i was really bummed to see them go out against croatia not because croatia didn't deserve to go through and like they battled and all that stuff but i just uh there's a world out there where like this Argentina side and this Brazil side like faced off and I I would have been absolutely fascinated to see what that semifinal looks like um mm. because you've got a a Brazil team that was like attacking and scoring for fun up against like a relentless Argentina and it just would have been I I think at the risk of you know I'm obviously speculating, but I just think that that would have been another like potential all-time great World Cup game. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we we were we were robbed of that. Um, but I love that though because I think Richarlison is the first player in a while that looks comfortable in the number nine for Brazil. Yeah. So yeah, no, that that's I love that. And then the last the last thing, who who's tying it all together? Who's who's taking your World Cup eleven on the world domination tour as the manager? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Rigragi of Morocco. Um, I just think what he's done in such a short time and the tightness of that defense while still being very watchable is really admirable. Yeah. Uh from him. Um, and the players seem to really love him. He's brought back Hakim Ziyech, one of the most exciting, you know, attacking midfielders in the world for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just what he was able to accomplish with Morocco is, is sensational. 
um, and really they didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. I think they were just knocked out by probably the better team, even though they could have scored some goals. Yeah. Uh, and so that tells you just their quality. So I definitely have Rigwagi leading my 11. Ziyech is a, is a semifinal goal away from actually like pushing for a place in this team. I'm not saying he gets in ahead of Messi, but like, he would have been in the conversation at least like to say if they make it to the final off of a, off of a ZH goal, like he's at least in the conversation. I, I agree. I, I thought that Regragui is, is like, he is that guy. Cause he just had to take the job right before the world cup and take the team to a semifinal. Is, it, it's insane. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely never seen anything like it in terms of an African team making it to a semifinal. And like in terms of the way that they played and for the amount of injuries that they were dealing with too, to make it as far as they did, like they'd never, I mean, Ms. Rowie, any other team, like losing one of their stars, like one of their highest profile players, you would think like, ah, oh, this team's cooked. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. finished. And Mazraoui's replacement, Atiatala, was like unbelievable. Really good. <laughs> he plays. He plays professionally in Morocco. Like he's not. He doesn't right. play for a big club or anything like that. It's just like. So for me, Morocco's just like steadfastness and their ability to in, integrate. Like, yeah, they had all these big club stars, but they also had a handful of domestic-based Moroccan players. Um who didn't look out of place like they didn't you know they looked at they looked like they could hang um with with some of the best teams in the world so i think a lot of that comes down to regragui 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 anyways I, so he uh i mean he talked about the fact too that um you know i think from a like sort of uh macro standpoint too, just opening the doors for other like foreign born coaches because mm-hmm. he's he's he was born in France but um obviously of Moroccan descent and um like spoke very openly about the fact that you know there are assumptions made like about foreign coaches or like African base coaches um in Europe so I don't know like if it gets a conversation going about clubs taking chances on more of these managers like there are a lot of talented managers who I'm sure like if they got a shot um would be able to to prove themselves at a higher level so um so yeah I'm excited to see kind of what comes next for him I hope that he's with Morocco in 2026 because i i mean i mentioned on the last episode that i think like we're at the start of something for this moroccan like this group of moroccan players rather than at the tail end um and i mean if they can find if if they can find a striker in the next four years um they're gonna be a problem at, at 2026 absolutely i mean 
we'll post our best 11s. I think I got them. I think I got all yours. We'll, we'll post them on Twitter just so people can roast us. They for can them. roast us, yeah. Um, but on that note, we we move on to our listener questions. We had a couple more. And yeah. At Boomer4568 says, which managers improve their stock for a potentially larger move, either to a larger federation or a club? An obvious one is Waleed Regragui, as we said, but any others also who hurt their stock? Ooh, so we've waxed lyrical about Waleed. Yep. Yeah, but I think he's probably the think? biggest gainer. Yeah. Um, although. You know who I think gained as well? Who's that? Um, in a small sample size. Sure. But still did well. Elve Rana with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I thought he had that team playing really bravely. And uh, they're the only ones that can say, you know, beat the Argentinians. You'll never sing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I mean, he just had them playing really brave football and, and believing in themselves. And he's only 54, so he's, like, very young for a manager. And sure. has mostly managed – smaller nations as it were smaller being smaller footballing wise right um and you know had a couple club stints here and there one at cambridge united uh, another at Lille. so I, I wonder if he could maybe do something for for a, a, a big club or something like that or uh, i mean if he stays at saudi arabia then fair enough but um i thought that he did quite well yeah i think uh i think one that'll one that'll get I mean, I think Scaloni <laughs> Scaloni is also one where it's like now that he's like, does he just get the Argentina job for life or like what's <laughs> what's the deal? Um, or does he try to go and get a club job like off the back of that? Um But I think I think one that's definitely that's definitely raised as well that that maybe a little bit, you know, you mentioned the run from Australia, but Graham Arnold, um I th- I think like in terms of what he had to work with and this is no disrespect to the to the Australian players but I mean in terms of quality they basically had no business getting out of their group um yeah. and they navigated it like relatively comfortably um against three teams that on paper I think all three of them are better than Australia um and yeah it wasn't like you know the most swashbuckling performance or anything like that but he set the team up really well and they played as a team um and i think in yeah. terms of just like having the manager's fingerprints all over a side i think i think australia and graham arnold probably is one that that's gained some some traction who hurt their stock though man i mean Gosh, it's <laughs> it, all right. Fine, I'll start. Greg, Greg <laughs> I was trying not to start there, but it's like, I mean, where else do you go, right? Like, it's funny because, like, I again, like, I still think job done. You know, get out of the group. Yeah, I think like on paper he did what he was supposed to do, but the fallout from that has been just so damaging with the yeah. Um, with the situation with with Giovanni Reina and you know and various issues people have with his tactics and his man management generally we won't rehash it here but like sure just listen to the other episode that we have on this and you'll know why I think but yeah I think his stock is on the floor 
Um, and there is whispers that he wants to move on to Europe, which is crazy to me. But <laughs> the other one for me is Luis Enrique. I, and I was, I, that hurts me because yeah. I like him. I like Lucho, but underperformed with Spain. Mm-hmm. Tepid football. Lots of possession, but not much to show for it. And then when you come out after the tournament, oh, granted, he's already given up the job, but then you say, oh, there's a player that I wouldn't bring. It's like, what point or good do you right. do by saying that? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and there was already conspiracy theories against him that he like doesn't pick Madrid players on purpose and this, that, the third. And so <laughs> it's just like, I think that I, I like Luis Enrique a lot, but I just it just did not go well. It didn't go right. I, uh, I was going to... Enrique was going to be the player I was going to ask you about. And and I wanted to ask you about yesterday after the final, Iker Casillas tweeted, uh, nothing direct, but I wanted to run this by you and be like, is this shade? So he said, in silence, without making any noise. And this is all with a picture of uh, Scaloni, like okay. walking down the tunnel. Um, so he said, in silence, without making any noise, he has known how to take Argentina to the top. Congratulations. I quote tweeted that with a clip from Arrested Development <laughs> where Lu- Lucille is like, is like, if that's a veiled criticism of me, I won't hear it and I won't respond to it. Like, of <laughs> Luis Enrique. But the, I mean, it feels weird that he specifically mentions him, like, not speaking or like not being like loud or boisterous that is interesting i mean is are there like people out there that think that that's shade or oh i think it's shade, you think it's shade. <laughs> i'm people <laughs> <laughs> um, it just feels weird that he specifically called that out and that and like enrique is like very on publicly like a twitch streamer on yeah twitch? <laughs> I loved the Twitch, by the way. But, he is um, an e-girl. An e-girl. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, That's interesting. It, I mean, it very well could be, but we also know that Iker Casillas likes to get hacked on Twitter every now and then. So, <laughs> True. I, I mean, the other, interesting. The other, I, it could be. It could be. <laughs> the other Spaniard whose stock I think takes like a massive, massive hit. Not that not that it was like high, but mm-hmm. Roberto Martinez, I think, is Oof. I mean, the he oversaw basically like a disaster of a camp for Belgium. Yeah. And apparently Belgium pulled to France twenty ten, so Yeah. Except they made it out of the group, which is right. Still wild, like yeah, that's because true. Canada decided to meme, but yeah, no, I mean Roberto Martinez, I think he's wasted what potential there was there. Um, yeah, no, that's that's an interesting shot. I yeah. Or wait, Ouch. Belgium didn't make it out of the group. I'm lying. Why? Why are you always lying? Anyways. Well, I was like agreeing with you. I'm high. I'm... That seems like it's so long ago. Wow. Whatever. Yeah, it really does. I honestly thought they, they... could have made it out of the group. That's right. That's they... right. They had yeah. a yeah. They had a chance because they beat yeah. Canada. Yeah. But they would have done it at the expense of because Croatia and Morocco, like two semifinalists, came out of that group. So 
Well, we had the same sort of question, but about players from at Ram and Cole Harry. He asks, as we turn back to club football, which like I rebuke that, <laughs> what player helped his transfer value the most and did anyone hurt it? Any major injuries that could change how leagues are won? I mean, we've talked before, Phil, about how players' values get insanely inflated by mm-hmm. a very relatively short tournament in the World Cup. But yeah. it's going to happen regardless. January is literally around the quarter. Who do you think uh, has I mean, helped and hurt their values? I mean, in terms of in terms of the sheer like percentages involved, I think Amrabat's probably increases value the most. Okay. Um. And I think it's strictly down to because I I've heard a lot about like you know teams don't really scout the World Cup anymore because like they already know about all these players mm-hmm. right like they already have a ton of data but I think the thing that's different about the World Cup is like the the situational stuff that you can't really it's like okay i watched a bunch of fiorentina matches and i saw sofia namrabat but i never watched him play in a semi-final like i never watched him play you know uh-huh. like right. i never watched him play game, like in this states context scenarios yeah right. so i think he's one that for hanging around as much as he did and like the amount of the like the quality that he put in um i think just in terms of sheer like he he probably would have been worth like in the tens right and now fiorentina could probably get like 30 or 40 conceivably yeah um so yeah i mean doubling or like tripling his value that's probably there's probably not many players that that did that because you know um the other players we talked about are are already being talked about with fees like that are astronomical like i mean jude bellingham's been quoted at like 150 150 million pounds something like that and yeah um but i'm curious if there are other players that i mean i think brighton's looking at alexis McAllister like a big old bag because (laughs) they just extended his contract in like october which is extremely smart yeah uh, and now they can ask for ransom for him, and yeah. and Arsenal should obviously pay it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We'll see about that. But um, yeah, I think McAllister has done mm-hmm. himself really good. I think all the Brighton players have Caicedo, Estupinian. Yeah. Um, as for who hurt their stock, this is gonna sound like I'm being like belligerent, but Cristiano Ronaldo, like. I don't see how anyone in Europe can go for this man anymore. Like no. with all of the baggage that that entails. Damaged goods basically. <laughs> like Yeah, like if Fernando Santos is going to bench you like I mean, I don't know. You could you could that could cut the other way too where it's like do I want chip on his shoulder Ronaldo to like score angry goals? Sure. Maybe. But I I just it's funny cuz like he may have hurt his value, but also no one can afford him at the same time. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> so why he's got to play in those, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's just one of those weird things. But, like, he, it just seems like his trajectory has gone the complete opposite way from... Yeah. I think... From the other the other one, Messi, so... <laughs> right? I think... I think, I mean, we talked about Belgium earlier in terms of Roberto Martinez, but I think, like, there's probably a handful of Belgian players that 
you would have thought this would have been kind of like a a coming out party for them and instead like just none of them played like they played all of the old guys like they didn't play like jeremy doku um charles de quetelaire but like he didn't play that much um that is such a good shout i love charles de quetelaire so there are all these players that you thought like would have been would have made a huge impact and instead like we got to see Eden Hazard the husk of Eden Hazard yeah like the <laughs> the space jammed like version of Eden Hazard who's <laughs> had his talent stolen by the aliens um <laughs> um yeah I'm oh, trying you're, to... so, you're so right because like there's people that for this Belgium squad that I didn't know got called yeah so yeah no that is that's a really good shout yeah i think uh man i'm trying to think in terms of hurting in terms of hurting value Trossard like, didn't play all that much either so he's like no. the one brighton player that didn't get to eat too much yeah and i think and i think the other the other team where perhaps perhaps they were just short of like these big big breakouts but i mean a lot of these players are already playing at huge clubs but um but a lot of like with uruguay going out in the manner that they did we didn't see like these big breakout performances from like nunez not that his value would be increased because liverpool yeah. already paid like 80 million for him but um but yeah well, nunez fetty velverde like these guys who you thought would have like Mm-hmm. kind of breakout world cup or big like international stage type performances um just didn't <laughs> well i'll tell you what the major injury that has given me heartburn is obviously gabriel jesus yeah of brazil and arsenal who has been absolutely crucial to arsenal leading the league yep um and yeah he'll be out for a few months after having knee surgery had he had to return from the world cup early for that so that will definitely change the trajectory, I think, of, of Arsenal's league campaign. And as an Arsenal fan, I didn't think that we would be yeah. in a title race, as it were. So I think this is the chance for City to like take hold um, now that I think our most important attacker is out. So that's that's the big one for me as, as far as injuries go. Yeah, I think uh, Luca Hernandez is probably... Mm. I mean, because he did his acl so he is like done done um and that like that injury for byron i think is is wait hold on does neuer count because that was afterwards no like he inexplicably (laughs) decided to go fucking skiing there's no shot that that was like sanctioned right like no absolutely not I think someone even was it Oliver Kahn or so I don't know I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth was like what the fuck Neuer just does what he wants like (laughs) that's crazy Um, yeah no Byron in the mud holy shit yeah I'm trying to think of (laughs) I'm trying to think of if there were other um, big injuries I mean I guess early in the tournament there were a couple of like there were a couple of injuries but it seemed like it seemed like a lot of stuff became more kind of minor as the tournament went on and i guess saiz is a is a concern but i mean like you said he wasn't playing for wolves so who knows mm-hmm. if 
um, if that'll be an issue. It seemed like Leroy Zane was like getting fit towards the end of the group stage. So that's probably a boost for Bayern, to be honest, because he was actually looking like a footballer again. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was a little, you know, too little, too late for Germany, but, um, but yeah, it's an interesting question. It's like some of the, some of the breakout players, I think that we expected to see the one, the one guy who didn't make it out, I, as I was looking through the, the, uh, the Uruguay team, the one, one other person who probably did increase like some of his value or at least get maybe more eyeballs on him was, uh, De Ereshketa, uh, from from Uruguay like I think yeah. George the, and yeah that that brace like in the final group game probably turned some heads um and with him at Flamengo I think there's probably some some chance that he uh he might get a look but he's he's older as well so it's I mean his time may have come and gone who knows good shots well um man I mean, a big episode, but befitting a a epic end to the World Cup and uh, and a tournament that uh, gave us a lot a lot to discuss. Um, so, as uh, as we wrap things up, I think we'll be we'll probably take a little bit of a breather, <laughs> but <Please>. but club <laughs> football does return. Um, I think we've got League Cup like as as early as tomorrow are you kidding i'm i'm not joking i think there are league cup games tomorrow if i'm not mistaken let me double check that um because i think i think liverpool plays manchester city in the league cup on thursday like i think that's happening that's so dumb yeah we get uh such such uh cracking fixtures as wolves gillingham um, play Arsenal plays Oxford or something, or maybe that's FA Cup. I don't remember. Uh, it looks like I think Arsenal. Arsenal were actually knocked out of the League oh, Cup yeah, by Brighton. By Brighton, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got my cups confused. My Matoma bad. and Lamptey sinking the Gunners. Yeah. And Danny Welbeck scored. How did I miss that? I don't know, dude. That was a lifetime ago. Now. <laughs> that was on November 9th so <laughs> that was um but anyways yeah so the league cup is back like tomorrow uh if anyone's you know really jonesing um <laughs> southampton lincoln city potential potential upset on the cards like big maybe the way southampton's going um but yeah city liverpool in the league cup it, i i don't think you're going to that city Liverpool game, the teams will be unrecognizable. Yeah, like they will be wearing blue assume. and red. They're <laughs> you won't be able to tell like who <laughs> who those teams are. There's no shot that anyone of note plays in that game. Yeah, not for yeah. any extended period. Maybe off the bench, but um, play the kids. Um, all right. Yeah. So that about does it. Um. Like I said at the top of the episode, you can find us at HXC Football on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Um, what a what a way to 
to send off the World Cup, but um, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was gone as as suddenly as it had as it had come, and uh, now <laughs> it's straight back into the club season. So we'll be back uh, to talk to talk club football throughout, but um, until then, hope everyone has a uh, a wonderful christmas time if you celebrate yeah, um merry wonder- christmas happy new year happy hanukkah that is currently ongoing that so just started indeed um yeah and we will talk to you guys probably in 2023 see ya